So this week on Facts, Opinions, and Rants, it is Mailbag Monday. I'll be taking your questions from the Facebook group and the feedback team. We'll be covering everything from theology to politics, everything in between. So sit back, relax, come on and join us. Hello, my friends, and thank you so much for joining us for this edition. I'm excited. We are going to talk about some of your questions. But before we do that, I want to say thank you. Thank you to each one of you who've listened to our podcast. Encourage you. I want to encourage you to like, share, and repost. And make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast, whether it is on Google Podcasts, whether it is on iTunes, whether it is at anchor.fm, or whether it is uh, any of the favorite podcasts you have. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Before we begin today, let me go ahead and pray for you and pray for your week. I want to make sure that you got last week's episode, which was about peace. I know some of you guys are pretty anxious right now. Uh, you're Trump supporters like myself, and you're like, uh, what's going on here? You know, you're wondering if there's fraud in the election. You're not happy about the projected winner, you know. Uh, so I want to make sure no matter where you stand, click last week's episode. It's all about how to have peace. In uncertain times, it goes through a couple of passages I, I want to encourage you to meditate on, pray about, but it encourages you and shows you how, as believers in Jesus Christ, our home is heaven, not here, and how we can have peace. Uh, but I'm going to hit some of your FAQs this week, so let me pray for you before we do. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for my listeners, and God, I ask that you bless each one of them in a way that they need it most. I ask that they would be encouraged, that they would laugh this week, that they would smile this week, that they would, more importantly, get closer and closer to you in uncertain times as we have Mailbag Monday. Lord, I ask that you would take care of them and that they would get more involved in their local church, more involved in relationship with you, and truly love you, God. And uh, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, I love their neighbor as themselves. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The shout-out portion of today's podcast goes to GovTrack.us. GovTrack.us is one of the best places you can go to see what Congress is actually doing. It tells you the whole process of bills, where they are, if they've been introduced, if they've been passed in the House, moved to the Senate, or if they've been enacted into law and signed by the president. It gives you everything. You can go there right now, search either by your legislator, search by a bill you're looking into. You know, sometimes the media doesn't cover everything that we care about, but you know what? GovTrack.us, it certainly does. So I want to encourage you, go and check out the website. You can go into the search tool. You can even look up stuff like the pain-capable bill, see where it has landed, see where the last time it was introduced, last time it uh, they spoke on it, last time it, it failed to closure. Uh, look at the co-sponsors. This is one of the great tools you have available to keep Washington accountable. I want to encourage you, go over to GovTrack.us today. As always, the facts, opinions, and rants that you hear here on Facts, Opinions, and Rants with Stephen D. Mosley are totally mine. They do not necessarily represent the views of GovTrack.us. So if you like their site, go ahead and send them a positive feedback. Send the negative feedback to me. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we're back. Okay, so I'm going to take some of your questions that you sent in over uh, the past week or some of you have sent in over the past 
period of time. And I want to say, first off, thank you so much uh, for sending these questions, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, let's get right to the first question. All right, number one comes in from Jamie. Uh, what is the best book you've read on biblical worldview and why? Well, I'm going to give you probably four or five books, but obviously the first book of all is obviously the Bible. Um, reading through the scriptures is probably the best way— Well canceled probably totally is the best way to form a biblical worldview and as rob jackson would say a former pastor from liberty would say if you spend 15 minutes a day at the rate i'm speaking now you can read through god's love letter to you in a year and so i want to encourage you if you have not done so yet pick up your bible read it no seriously pick it up and read it because if you read it meditate on it and do what it says you'll be like it says in the book of james and james chapter one it talks about the person who does that it says the person who does that is blessed and so if you want a blessing from god it comes from reading his word and doing what it says and if you want to have a worldview that represents god the best way to start is to reading your Bible. Now, there's a couple other books I'd recommend because it helps with the application piece. Sometimes we read stuff, we need help understanding how does it apply, right? And so we see this example in the book of Acts, which, by the way, I love the book of Acts. If you are a uh, person who loves stories, you're going to love Acts, you'll love the Gospels, and the New Testament, that is. You'll love Acts, you'll love the Gospels, because they're stories of Jesus, of real people, real places, real events, of course. And one of them is a story of... Uh, um, one of the apostles going uh, to preach the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. And what does he respond when they're going back and forth? He says, you know, do you understand what you've read? And he says, how could I understand unless someone explains it to me? And then from there, he explains the gospel. And, um, you know, he, he gets saved and, and, and brings the gospel uh, to the continent of Africa. So w one of the things that you say, well, Stephen, do I need to read some of these other books? Well, yeah, I would encourage you to do so because doing so helps explain the scriptures to you. And I'm going to click on or, or, or point you to, I should say, a couple of books that have blessed me, stuff I've used in Bible studies as I teach through uh, biblical worldview. The first one, a couple of names too. George Barna is probably the best researcher when it comes to America and uh, Americans' view on Christian values and Christians and their view on Christian values and what does it mean to truly have a biblical worldview. I encourage you to look at a lot of his stuff at georgebarner.com. Um, but there's a book. There's a book I'd recommend. It's called Think Like Jesus. Think Like Jesus. It's a great book. If you're looking for a short, easy read that would help you understand where Americans view on this issue or Christians view on this issue and Christians with a biblical worldview, which, by the way, is totally different than just the average Christian, where they stand on the issues. And how do you get a framework? Uh, and what I love in the appendix of that book, it gives you the questions that he asked to ascertain whether someone has a biblical worldview. I would encourage you to grab that book. Uh, you probably get maybe 10 bucks on Amazon. Uh, but Think Like Jesus is the name of that book. If you're looking for an expanded version that really helps you apply it into the realm of faith and policy, I encourage you to get an updated book called U-Turn uh, by George Barnett and David Barton. They come together and they really answer every major uh, political issue and where Americans stand on it, where Christians stand on it, and where those Christians who have a biblical worldview stand on it. So it's kind of a two-part set there I would encourage you to grab. And like I said, that book is called U-Turn. Um, when it comes to evangelism, evangelism is a huge part of the Christian worldview. As Christians, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ, according to 2 Corinthians um, 5, 18-21. 
And uh, in order to be an ambassador, you have to really understand the culture you're in, and you have to understand how to share the gospel. A great book that helps you uh, explain the gospel and understand other worldviews from other faiths is a book called The Unexpected Journey by Tom Rainer. Tom Rainer does an amazing job of talking to people who've come out of different faiths into Christianity and what was it that led them to Christianity. During their journey, they talk about what are the tenets of the faith they used to hold compared to now the Christian faith. And so I would encourage you, as we're in a multi-ethnic, multi-religious um, uh, cult, multi culture to understand how this religion plays in view with the Christian faith and how we can reach them for the gospel, The Unexpected Journey by Tom Rainer. And then finally, The Secret Book of Ideas About God. I'm sorry, The Secret Battle of Ideas About God is by Jeff Myers, and he leads a ministry called Summit.org. I want to encourage you, if you're looking for one website to go to for biblical worldview and biblical worldview material, Summit.org is your site. Um, the Secret Battles of the uh, Battle of the Ideas About God, The Secret Battle of the Ideas About God by Jeff Myers. It book it really takes on the major questions of a worldview, what they should answer, which is basically what does every human heart ask, and how the Christian faith answers that completely, and compares it to the other major religions of the world and how they fall short. So I encourage you, add all these books to your library, the most important being God's Word, the Bible. Read it daily. And then pick up on these books. You can use them in Bible studies. They will bless you and bless those who hear you. So thank you for that question. The next question, um, let's see, I'm going to put two questions in one here. Uh, Mike wants to know, who are the few people you would like to see run for president uh, for the Republicans in 2024 and some that you don't want to see run? And my favorite liberal ask uh, about, um, let's see, my favorite liberal, she asks, how would I like to see uh, Mike Pence? Um, which candidates in 2024 uh, do you think Mike Pence will pick, Don Jr. or Ivanka? Okay, so I think this is predicated on uh, Trump-Pence victory, which we're still holding hope for. Hashtag stop the steal. Um, but... You know, uh, let's take Mike Pence first. So if Mike Pence, um, after that VP performance, I will say Mike Pence is kind of like my leading candidate, right? He's the Christian candidate we all have been longing for, so to speak. Um, So if Mike Pence, he wins, let's see, 2024, if he wins a primary, should he pick Don Jr. or Ivanka? You know, I think Don Jr. probably run again. But to me, I'm like, okay, we've, we've had the Trump era. Now let's see if we can have MAGA Republicans that aren't necessarily last name Trump or Kushner. That's my view on it. But if he's going to pick one of them, he'll probably pick, um, you know, politics said you have to pick Ivanka. But I'm saying, hey, pick Don Jr. I think he's a little more conservative than Ivanka. But none of them are my pick. Okay. So who are the people you want to see run in 2024? So I want someone who is, you know, well, a social conservative. Well, maybe a social conservative who is not Kanye West. My dream candidate right now is the average American, I want, and I want it to be a woman too. I want it to be the average-looking American, but I want it to be a little cranky because you know the middle class has been really looked over in the last two decades, right? And so I want it to be an average, cranky American woman. She's pro-life. She's pro-marriage. She's pro-securing the border. Pro-school choice. Pro-legal immigration. And a centerpiece of her campaign is a middle tax, a middle-class tax cut that balances the budget. This is my dream candidate right now. She's a conservative dream, okay? So um, I want her to be a conservative dream wrapped in liberal packaging, 
What does that mean, right? Most conservative women, you see them on Fox News, they're gorgeous. And then you see the liberals, you're like, man, you know, you may need a comb of that hair. And, you know, look who's talking here. So I can talk. Let's let's just be clear. So, yeah, it's oversimplification. But the joke has always been, you know, you turn on Fox and it's like the beautiful Republican woman versus the nasty liberal. It's like Hillary Clinton versus Sarah Palin. Kim Klasek versus Stacey Abrams, right? So my dream candidate is a woman who's conservative. She's like the conservative Stacey Abrams. She's not good to look at. She's grumpy. Um, but she's conservative. Why? Because I want this woman to be the first woman to actually win the presidency. Whereas, you know, if we can't stop the steal, Kamala Harris will be co-president, right? And probably be president within 100 days. But she didn't, she didn't earn it. Like, people didn't vote for her to be president. They didn't even want her in the primaries. I want us to get a conservative woman who will be the first woman in history to go through the primaries, win the primaries, go through a general election, win the general election as a presidential candidate. And I don't want there to be an excuse of, well, you know why they voted for her. <laughs> it's because she's pretty. No, 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 no. I want it to be all about what she thinks, not about how she looks. So we, do, we don't have to have someone who looks like Nikki Haley or Ivanka Trump. Uh-uh. We need the average American woman. We need someone, and I want to be a grumpy conservative as well. Why? Because I like grumpy characters. They're hilarious on TV, and I just think they'd be great politicians as well. Because they would say, hey, look, the crap that we've had to deal with for the last 20, 30 years of being overlooked, I'm tired of it. You want the overlooked candidate. We don't necessarily want the brash candidate, as we see you know, with the Stop Steal, with some people like, I don't like Trump's language, right? You know, and the quote-unquote Lincoln Republicans, nothing Lincoln or Republican about them. But you want someone who's like, yeah, I'm fed up. I'm tired of not being represented and you want someone who could that you get that feeling because you know in america that's what we feel right now that you don't have someone who's truly representing you in washington who truly understands i want them to come from the middle class i want them to be the middle class candidate who cares from people going from poverty to the middle class someone who may maybe has one of those great american stories of yeah i just do an everyday nine to five job and then i got put in this line of work and this line of work this line of work and i realized i could run for president because i have this experience and that experience maybe they do run a business and they can understand what the business class is going through maybe they do uh come from the education sector so they can understand what college educators like myself are going through but maybe they don't maybe they're just the average american who's like, you know what, I have leadership experience, I've run a business, or I've ran this, I've run that, and I'm tired of it, and the middle class needs the most help, and we have to balance the budget for the future of our country, right? 1994 needs to come again, where we've actually balanced the budget. You know, that contract with America that talked about balancing the budget, we did it once in my lifetime, let's do it again. That's the dream candidate I'm looking for. Yep, she's grumpy. She's a conservative warrior. She worships Jesus. She understands the plight of the middle class. She doesn't have to be pretty. She just has to be conservative enough to win. That's my dream candidate. And you know what? I don't see her yet. But you know, I am definitely looking. I am definitely looking. Because we need someone who's going to get in there, uh, talk about the plight of the middle class, balance the budget, and go from there. Um, So, you know... If 2024 is right around the corner, the wish list I have for VP candidates will be uh, Ron DeSantis from Florida, governor of Florida, or No Jacket Jim Jordan, uh, House Freedom Caucus, someone who's been a true MAGA Republican as standing for our conservative values without wavering. And maybe even Rand Paul, um, so we could bring the libertarian wing into this election. Who I don't want running for president, that was another part of the question. Anyone who's for amnesty or globalism. 
Uh, so that would be Graham, Rubio, or any rhino known as quote-unquote Lincoln Republicans. No, thank you. All right, question number three or four. Can we make a decent evaluation of the president or political candidates based on their spouses? How is their relationship to each other indicative of their commitment to public service? Ooh, this is a good one. I want to say thank you, uh, Mike, for sending this in. Um, first off, I would say this. I, I, and many would disagree with me on this, but I don't think so. I don't think you can make a decent evaluation of, of any political candidate based on their spouse. I mean, how much do you really know about Kamala Harris's husband? I mean, do you even know his last name? I don't, right? Um, but that didn't stop people from voting impartially for her for vice president. You know, the only time I, I think it matters is when this is ironic, right? Because it's one of those things where you usually hear people say, oh, well, women have to do with this, women have to do with that in politics. Well, in this case, no one even asked that question really about Kamala Harris. But if you were running for president, you're a man, they do want to know, are you married? Do you have kids? What's your wife look like? Where is your wife? Those are questions you do get as a male running for office. Women don't usually get that. Women aren't getting, hey, where's your husband? Um, they usually get stuff about their appearance, which is unfair, which is why I want a cranky, average American woman to run as a conservative. The liberals will go nuts, by the way, with that. They will attack her for her appearance. Just ask Sarah Huckabee Sanders. They will attack her because they don't like her. They'll attack her for all types of things that mean nothing. But if you would have done to a liberal woman, they'd be very upset. Just ask if just ask someone to go after Stacey Abrams and you'll see what I mean. But she'll win our policies. That's why I won. All right, so back to this question. So um, does it a decent evaluation? No, because you don't know. You, you, don't, anything, you don't know anything about uh, Kamala Harris's husband. And it doesn't mean she was a good senator. It doesn't mean she would be a, vice, a good vice president. No, I think you learn most about their policies. That's what you learn most about someone, about their policies. That's why you need to focus on their policies and how they've fought for those policies. Um, now, I will say this as a candidate who ran for office. Do people want to know about your spouse? Absolutely. Now, it's a, it's a catch-22 because, remember, most people based off the final P, personality. And the P is, you know, does this candidate relate to people like me? Well, if you are married and you're running uh, for office and people are married, they want to know who your spouse is. They want to see, do I connect with that family? Do I connect with that picture? If you have kids, they want to know if they connect with your kids. Do your kids look like their kids? They, uh, are they similar to their kids? Um, that's a big one. Uh, how is their relationship with each other indicative of their commitment to the public service? So some would say, hey, if you cheat on your spouse, you're going to cheat on the country. Well, you know, or if you've had a divorce, anything like that, well, just think about the last 40 years. Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Newt Gingrich, they've all been divorced or cheated on their spouses while serving the country or previously while running for serving the country. Now, some would say these have all been successful uh, in serving their constituents. Uh, the issue is not necessarily, you know, um, the type of relationship that they have is it to public service. The issue is, is there anything hidden that could be used to bribe the candidate? Like, example, with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky and all the other people with Bill Clinton's history. Was that used uh, by foreign or political opponents to make Bill Clinton make decisions that was not in America's best interest? I don't know. Who knows? But it definitely leaves one liable for that. So in the best of all worlds, we want candidates like pro-life Mike Pence and Ben Carson. They don't sleep with other women and who aren't their wives, and one of them doesn't even eat dinner with them. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because character does matter, right? 
we want someone with character. We want someone who has a good relationship with their home, with their spouse, so we can see what type of relationship, you know, would they would have with us, you know, a person they're supposed to be serving in the country. Which brings us to the home. Uh, question number five, or four or five, depends on how you're counting. The economy of the home. I've mentioned this before. Oikos, the Greek word for family. Years ago, I heard one of my all-time favorite senators and former presidential candidate, Rick Santorum, speak on a family, in which, which by the way, it doesn't take a village to raise a child. As Tucker Carlson said, if your village is raising your child, that means your child's an orphan. But rather, it takes a family. Dads and moms who raise their kids in fear and admonition of the Lord, as stated in Ephesians 6, 4. Rick Santorum talked about this. And he said, you know, the best way to save our economy is to focus on our family. The economy of the home is the first family. It's a, the first economy is your family. The scripture teaches us the first institution God made is a family. And so if we want to see the craziness of Washington disappear, I want to encourage you, focus on the economy of your home. One of the first institutions God made, the family. A couple of areas. One, spiritually. How does your family, how does it fit spiritually? Do they know Jesus? Romans 10.9. Have they had a Romans 10.9 moment? And are they connected to a local church? Or are they, like some, failing to meet, to do, you know, meet the, the obligation of coming to church, being a body, involved in the body of Christ? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Are you physically growing in the Lord? Or physically growing, you know, just physically, you know, not only in the Lord, but healthy. Financially, are you in debt or are you debt free? The best wealth building tool is not debt, rather it's being debt free. That's freedom. Freedom to live. As we remember what scripture says about this, the borrower is slave to the lender. Dave Ramsey, anybody? Yeah. Proverbs 22, 7. Luke 2, 52 says this, and you need to ask yourself, is your family living like Jesus and growing in wisdom and stature in favor of God and man? Communities and families that do this, they generally have a better economy. They're the ones who we talk about in a success sequence go from poverty to the middle class and beyond. This foundation to wealth, success, freedom starts at home. It truly starts at home. And finally, I want to end with this last question. Sent in from my sweet thing. Let's see. What does it mean to uncheck the box? So I've mentioned multiple times I'm for unchecking the box when it comes to criminal justice reform. And what it means is this. It's sometimes called ban the box. It's where employers consider a job candidate's qualifications first without the stigma of a conviction or arrest record. These policies provide applicants a fair chance at employment by removing conviction and arrest history questions from job applications and delaying background checks until the latter part of the hiring process. And this is crucial because if you've ever been on an interview committee, you know that a lot of times what would happen is you fill out these applications, it goes to your HR, your HR will naturally get rid of people who maybe have a, a conviction for some type of crime. Whereas if you meet with them and you say, hey, this is our best candidate, then it becomes more detailed of like, hey, well, what type of crime was their history and will that be an issue here? My friends, if we're really about criminal justice reform and not keeping people in jail, which I'm always for you say, look, one or the other. It's like, look, if you don't think they're restored to society, keep them in jail. If they're a danger, they should be in jail, period, right? Because if you're, you're out of jail and you're able-bodied, Scripture says you don't work, you don't eat. So you're going to be working. So the question becomes as a culture, if we're letting them out. We're saying they're free to work. And we need to let them work in all possible fields that they are able to work, 
not just some, that don't require a background check. We need everything. Now, does it mean that they will be able to get their old job back? Well, maybe, maybe not, right? I mean, if you're known for embezzling, we're probably not going to let you work at a bank. Sorry, you've missed out on that opportunity. But it doesn't mean you can't get any job with a bachelor's degree that doesn't require that. And that's what's happened now for many of our fellow Americans. And so we need to uncheck the box if we really believe in restoration to culture, which is a Galatians 6, 1 and 2 belief that we who are spiritual called to restore those who've been caught in sin, watching out for ourselves, knowing that we could also be guilty of such sin. Right? Paraphrase there, but something to think about. Well, friends, we are at the end of our time today. I want to say thank you so much uh, for listening each week. I want to encourage you, please share this with your friends and family. And do not miss an episode of Facts, Opinions, and Rants. You can catch it on iTunes. You can catch it on Google Play. Catch it on Spotify. But make sure you don't miss it. So please subscribe. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Friends, we're out of time. Have a great week.